Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. On November 6th, college basketball season begins. Millions of fans from across the country will be rooting for their favorite teams, hoping they'll take home the conference championship or maybe even win the national title. When you look at the players of these teams, you'll notice a diverse group of young men running up and down the court. College basketball wasn't always diverse, and the Southeastern Conference was no exception. But then a young man by the name of Perry Wallace joined the men's basketball team for the Vanderbilt Commodores. He was the first African-American to play on an SEC team. Wallace had a successful career at Vandy, but he didn't stop there. He went on to become an attorney for the Department of Justice and a law professor. His story is a unique one, and it's being memorialized in the form of a play by the Nashville Children's Theater. WPLN editor LaTanya Turner went to see the play during the final dress rehearsal to learn more about the production. Basketball is center stage in the production of Strong Inside. But this is much more than a sports story because the central character, Perry Wallace, was more than a star athlete. Wallace grew up in Nashville, went to Pearl High School in the early 1960s, and excelled in the classroom and on the basketball court. He was called king of the boards for his slam dunks. Coach says you can win the game by free throws. Concentrate! But my favorite part is dunking. Actor Gerald Oliver portrays Wallace. Yes. The play follows Wallace from high school basketball star to being recruited by Vanderbilt University in 1966, becoming the first African-American to play basketball in the Southeastern Conference. Playing his first varsity game this evening, Perry Wallace. It wasn't easy. His frustration and disappointment is conveyed in scenes like this one. Between Wallace and his engineering professor, Acted by Will Hankey. Have you been attending the weekly class study group? Study group? Yes. Each week your classmates meet at a different student's home to study as a group. What did I do to get left out of the class study group? No one invited me. I was the only Negro in most of my classes. That's no reason to leave a classmate out. Lonely is a feeling I wouldn't wish on anybody. I thought Vanderbilt would be different. I thought college would be different. You step into these gates and you expect things to be better. It really humanizes Perry, and it really says, you know, he did this amazing thing, but he didn't set out to be a hero. He just wanted to play basketball and, you know, be an academic. I mean, he was a, a smart, smart, brilliant man. That's Tyrone Robinson, the playwright whose script is based on the book for young readers by Andrew Marinus. So as a playwright, you know, the thing that you're always trying to find is where's the conflict, where's the tension, you know, where are the complications, where are the flaws? <laughs> and I would say that, you know, you're hard-pressed to find somebody who will, will tell you a bad story about Perry Wallace. Pinning his life against the history of the time and the period, the timeline, was the way that I found to find tension and, and conflict in the story and to have something that he was constantly fighting against. 
The social upheaval and racial hatred of the time are depicted through projections of historical film, as well as actors portraying key figures in Wallace's life and the civil rights movement. Social injustices and racism in the world, on the Vanderbilt campus, and in the sport itself repeatedly impact Wallace's efforts to play basketball. In this scene, he's just learned his favorite skill, the slam dunk, is being outlawed by the NCAA. It makes me angry. For two years, I worked hard to perfect my dunk. I feel like my wings are being clipped. There's nothing I can do about it. To dunk, to express myself freely on the court will now result in penalties and losses for my team. It's an impossible situation aimed at targeting Negro players. I'm harassed on the court left and right. Nobody protects me. Nobody defends me. And now the one thing that brings me joy is officially outlawed. The three-person play also conveys the hateful rhetoric and violence by some opposing teams aimed at Wallace and the only other black Vanderbilt player, Godfrey Dillard, portrayed by James Rudolph II. What's that smell? Smells like, like animal waste. These hateful backwoods hicks. You hear them chanting out there? All that hate they're spewing? It was important to include those intense experiences in the play, says Robinson, even for young audiences, and even in the midst of political efforts to erase this kind of history. We can learn from it, and I think we can hopefully be better from knowing it and from acknowledging it and from um, honestly telling it to younger people. Um, whether we're writing or acting or directing or whatever it is, we're always trying to put the truth on stage. Um, so I think in this play, we can at least tell the truth and at least let audiences take that and hopefully, you know, it'll resonate with them however it resonates with them. What difference will you make in your world? Ball's in your court. LaTanya Turner, WPLN News. My next guest is an author whose book, Strong Inside, helped to inspire the creation of the play. I'd like to welcome Andrew Marinus to This Is Nashville. Andrew, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Any chance to talk about Perry Wallace is a good day for me. You know, it is a great day. I mean, the story of Perry Wallace is pretty remarkable, yet it's not widely known. How did you learn about him and his accomplishments? So I first learned about Perry when I was a sophomore at Vanderbilt in 1989. Uh, I came to the school on a sports writing scholarship. I was majoring in history. And just coincidentally, the fall of that sophomore year was the first time that Perry was ever invited back to Vanderbilt to tell his story and to be honored as the Jackie Robinson figure of the Southeastern Conference. Mm. And so I, I read a student uh, magazine article about Perry and asked my professor, Dr. Yolette Jones, if I could write a paper about Perry for her black history class. And I was concerned she was going to say, uh, no, you know, basketball is not really a worthy subject for college. We don't write about athletes in college. But thankfully, she said, if that's what you're interested in doing, go for it. And so I called Perry from my dorm, uh, cold call. He spent two hours on the phone with me that very first night. And writing that paper, I felt like was the most interesting uh, thing I did as a student in college. 17 years later, I came back to it uh, to write a biography of Perry. So you, you write this book about him, but you, I understand you also wrote a version for kids as well. Yes. How did you change the book for young readers? Okay, yeah. So the book initially came out for adults. About a year and a half later, I adapted it for middle school students. The first advice I got from my publisher was, 
don't dumb it down, you know, respect the intelligence of young people. Mm -hmm. Um, so really did not. And just like in the previous sound you played, didn't take out the hard parts. You know, I felt it was really important for kids to understand exactly what Perry went through and to feel what he went through. And so really, um, the changes were, uh, making the book shorter by removing some backstory about characters or backstory about Nashville. Um, but it essentially tells the same true story, and that's reflected so well in this play for young people. Now, you just mentioned that you got to spend two hours on the phone with Perry Wallace when you were in college doing research for the initial paper. Right. What what did you take away from spending that time with him? Gosh, well, from that time and then, you know, spending eight years writing the book on him, uh, that he was the smartest man I ever met in my life. Um, just so impressive uh, of a person that I felt fortunate to be in his presence any time that I was. Um, that's the way I felt when he walked into any room, is this is the most impressive person anyone in this room has ever met. And they often would be a surprise to them, um, either because they expected him just to be a basketball player or because of racism, they they were surprised, wow, that this this six-foot-five African-American man is the smartest person I've ever met. Mm. And he, he en enjoyed surprising people in that mm -hmm. way and being more than people expected on the surface. Um, such an insightful, wise person, not just smart, but really wise, you know, and I miss him today because he would have such a, a an interesting, uh, calming presence d despite the madness of the world. And he had really worked hard on perfecting that given what he had been through in his life. But, um, you know, he came to my house a couple of times when my, after my kids were born and they had always heard me talking about Perry Wallace, this man. And so to him, he was a celebrity in their mind before they ever met him. He walked in, it was like Santa Claus walked in the house. They grabbed his leg. He was pulling them around the house, you know, like they're shouting Perry Wallace, Perry Wallace. And he had turned to me and said, do you have any Advil? Like they were <laughs> <laughs> shouting so loud, but that's kind of the impact he had on any room that he walked into. That's something else. You did a lot of research. Eight years. Yes. So uh, I was working on this book while I was, you know, working another job, get married, have two kids in the middle of it. But uh, it was constantly on my mind for eight years, four years of research before I wrote a single word. Uh, and then four years of writing. This is without an agent or a publisher, just a story that I wanted to do, whether uh, it ever saw the light of day or not. You know, I just uh, felt that Perry's story was so interesting. He deserved to have it told. Thankfully, the book came out, and it's just amazing to see how it continues to have legs now, almost 10 years after the, the book was published. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with a Andrew Marinus and meet the director and lead actor of the play Strong Inside, presented by the Nashville Children's Theater. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. And we want to thank you for your support of This Is Nashville and WPLN. So keep that support coming. We'll be right back. Kaliole Colonna, and this is Nashville. Today, we are learning about the life of Perry Wallace. The native Nashvilleian was the first African-American basketball player in the Southeastern Conference, a successful attorney for the U.S. Department of Justice and a renowned law professor at American University. He's the subject of the book Strong Inside, which inspired a play by the same name produced by the Nashville Children's Theater. Now, the play runs through Tuesday, September 26th, so there is still time for any of you out there to go see it. Joining me now are two people 
who are a big part of the production. Tamiko Robinson-Steele is the director of Strong Inside, and Gerald Oliver is the lead actor playing the part of Perry Wallace. Tamiko, Gerald, thanks for being here. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great <laughs> to have you both here. So how excited are you for this production, y'all? Tamiko. Um, so excited. I came on, uh, this is my directorial debut, so mm -hmm. uh, I was, you know, a little shook uh, at the beginning of this process <laughs> um, with the undertaking and wanted to honor this man and this story and to create a world where our audience could experience authentic um, Nashville, uh, you know, in its uh, heyday of uh, North Nashville, what is what my family calls it, mm. the heyday of North Nashville. Um, so this experience has been pretty exciting and pretty exhilarating. I, I felt um, awakened and alive during this whole process. Mm. Gerald, how do you feel? Uh, this... Yeah, this has been a very, very special role for me. I've, I've, um, I've been in the past four main stage shows uh, with the National Children's Theater. I was a resident artist last year, and this, uh, this show feels like, uh, I mean, it's not my final performance there, but it feels like my swan song. It's mm -hmm. like uh, I'm out there the whole time. I have so many lines. I'm sweating, and uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> it, it is uh, truly. An incredible feeling knowing that there are so many people who are inspired by this person and I get to embody him every mm. day. Um, I want to talk to you about that because I know that thespians, they use a lot of different tools and techniques mm. to get into character. Mm. How did you prepare for this role? Uh, a lot of YouTube and basketball <laughs> drills. Okay. Um, reading research, um, Andrew was a huge help um, with the um, researching and just uh, being pointing me in different places on where to go, where to look, um, just finding out how, I mean, how incredibly smart this man was um, and uh, and just how inspiring he is. There's a lot of, um, there's also a lot of just tales around town, around Nashville, just, I mean, just because he's from here and there's so many people who know him already. Um, and that, I mean, it's just been a blessing being able to grow up here. I'm, I'm so lucky that I'm not a, you know, a New York actor or, a, you know, just coming into this town and, mm -hmm. and having to find out all this stuff. Um, these stories, they're, they're old stories and they're from here and I've heard them growing up. So it wasn't foreign to me. Um, yeah. Um, Did you play a lot of basketball before you took the role? <laughs> I was a football player. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you can't dribble a football. No, um, no. Not on purpose. Um, a whole new skill set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I played when I was younger, if you could call that playing. It was, um, but, um, so I, I mean, and I, I also, I, I watched it. My, my father, he loves the sport. So um, I watched a lot of it. So I know you know, of uh, things that are happening, but, you know, I would not have considered myself a player, and I still would not <laughs> consider myself a player. You can, but you can play one on stage. Yeah, I can play one on stage. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, now, Tamiko, you are an accomplished actor in your own right, but, you know, you, as you mentioned, you're taking on your directorial debut with this play. Talk to me about the approach you decided to take and what you want audiences to walk away with from seeing Strong Inside. Um, I think what is so amazing about being involved at the Nashville Children's Theater is it's it always feels like a collaboration. Um, it's never uh, you up there, you know, pointing where to go and, you know, follow this direction and, and go about your business. It's always a collaboration. And so what you get to do is you 
build with the uh, my co-director, Ernie Nolan, who's the artistic director at the National Children's Theater. Um, we kind of talked and, um, and the whole uh, technical team, they were so amazing about um, leading me in the ways that I, I did, uh, some of the things that I didn't know. Um, but what I was very comfortable with was the actors and the action and um, and the intent and all of that. And so I think that's where I kind of shown as a director was getting in there with the actors and collaborating and making them just lifting them up and, and mm. you know, guiding with a with a light hand. And, you know, they are so such amazing performers that I didn't I feel like I didn't have to do much. So <laughs> <laughs> um, there was that. But I, I want the audience to leave the theater feeling inspired and um, to hang on and uh, envelop community, which is what a lot of this play is about. And uh, I feel like Perry Wallace as a person, you, you see community in this communal um, energy, especially when people who knew him in school or um, they were familiar with him as a basketball player, whether it be at Pearl or at Vanderbilt, and they come to the show and there, there's this energy of, you know, he's he belongs to everyone. He's a part of like this full story. And so mm. I just want the audience to leave feeling that. Mm. Now, Andrew Marinus is the author of the book Strong Inside that inspired the play is still with us. Thank you again for being here. How does it feel to have Strong Inside be turned into a play? Uh, it's been an incredible experience. Uh, and Perry used to say, people would ask him all the time, like, knowing what you know now, would you do it all over again? And I think that his honest answer was no. You know, only he knew how close that line was between surviving that experience as a pioneer in the SEC and not making it. But what he said was that it was worth it if it could, in, if it could help make things better for people in the future, if it could inspire younger generations. He always loved to be around children. He was a teacher by trade, you know, and so the idea that his story is being told to kids in a way that is educational, I think he would absolutely love this. And that's what has meant the most to me. And I think that, again, it's really important that this story is being told at a time when there are so many threats against books and curriculum and teachers that are addressing issues that are raised in this play, like racism, honestly, mm -hmm. you know, and so what a gift to Nashville um, uh, to have this existing right now at this point in history. Now, Tyrone Robinson wrote the play. How closely did you work with him as the script was being developed? Well, I shared, obviously, the, my uh, books with him, both the Young Readers version and the original adult edition of Strong Inside. Um, sent him videos of Perry speaking so he could see the way that Perry thought and, you know, just moved and acted and various clips. But then, you know, was... Um, it was Tyrone's story after that, and I think that he's done uh, a brilliant job with the script. And one thing that I uh, really like about the script and the way that it's told and directed is the way that it, it uh, tells Perry's story within the context of what's happening in Nashville and in the country in terms of the civil rights movement, which was really important to me also when I was writing the book. And I think it's what elevates Perry's story beyond just a typical sports story. It's not the story of a guy that makes a game-winning basket, and that's why we celebrate him. You know, it's... It's about the toll of pioneering and this, uh, what it was like to be a teenager thrust into this situation and through the use of um, video and audio of real uh, events like Martin Luther King speaking or Governor Wallace, the uh, Selma, uh, the sit-ins. You know, you really, really viscerally feel what Perry was going through in this production. 
Now, Gerald, this is a three-person play. Mm. You take center stage throughout the production. Mm. You're on stage the entire time. Like you just told <laughs> us, you're sweating, working hard up there. <laughs> the story of Perry Wallace, it has some very highly emotional moments and tensions that mm. Andrew was just talking about. Describe for me the focus that you utilize when you're on stage in character. Um, I, You know, there... I took this script... And, um, you know, you, you, you go through it and, you know, the first thing that I did was like, how much basketball am I going to have to play? Like, I mean, and then you get into the, the parts where, um, you know, this, this is the stuff that I love, the dramatic stuff, the looking into it and, and dissecting these words, painting these words, um, delivering a story that is, it, it's, it's hard to see, it's hard to watch, but it also, it can't be offensive to watch. And so, I mean, and like you said, this is this is a hard emotional play to 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 portray. And as an actor, it's sometimes it can it takes a toll as you as I mean, as I'm as I'm saying the words, you know, because I'm living these situations every day. Um, and it's a lot of it is is finding a place of uh, personally of peace and of joy Um to where I can take myself to so that I don't get too encapsulated in those negative emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I always think about like, you know, the good that came out of it. And, um, and like, you know, the fact that my mother also went to Vanderbilt much later, but I mean, she went to Vanderbilt and, you know, it's just knowing that her life turned out so well. And, um, I usually take that with me into those monologues, into those moments, um, and it helps me get through. Mm -hmm. mm. I want to I hear something and, and learn a little bit about, Tamiko, how you kind of executed the basketball part of the play. Stages usually aren't very big. And it's really <laughs> tough to have something like basketball be portrayed in an accurate sense. What, how did you cook up those scenes to make them seem as lifelike as possible? Well, um, like Gerald mentioned earlier, he had done some research on looking up just the, the skill itself, right? Um, and then something that we all talked about, even um, Tyrone, when he was in town, when we were workshopping the piece, um, we were talking about how it was almost balletic, you know, the, the dance of the game. Um, and so in rehearsals, what we did, especially it's a moment in the show where Gerald is just hammering hammering um, toward the basket and doing all of these things uh, in this pivotal moment of the show. And so what Gerald and I did is we kind of collaborated in building up this routine of um, of what we wanted to, we started off with what we wanted out of it. And so we wanted um, the sounds of the stage, his feet and the, the movement and, um, and the action of it. And so then we went back and I kind of... Um, found a couple of uh, basketball exercises uh, to, not exercises, but um, their, I guess, workouts. Mm, or, yeah, or drills. Like, yeah, drills. basketball mm -hmm. drills. Oh, my God, I haven't played basketball since high <laughs> school. Um, basketball drills. Um, and we uh, choreographed it. Mm -hmm. And I think it works. It's the, is this the scene the, where MLK is playing yeah, in the, the background? MLK. I think that's the most beautiful uh, scene oh, in the play. thank you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it really is like ballet. And it's a full screen of I Have a Dream speech while Gerald's doing these drills. And it just conveys this juxtaposition of a great basketball player who's existing in this historic time. You know, and it really is like a ballet during that scene. Yeah. You know, Gerald, I got to ask you this question. We have just about a minute left. Mm -hmm. You know, I know actors, sometimes they walk away from performance with traces of their characters still mm. embedded in them. Mm. My sister's a thespian. This has happened. Uh, yeah. We see plenty of other actors 
go through this as well. What are you taking away with you as you come from playing Perry Wallace, being from Nashville, uh, and learning about this man who was so important? What to is town? so funny about this role is I I came into it knowing Perry Wallace and knowing the inspiration and living it. I think more than anything, it's that that um that leadership that he i mean you know it was thrust on him like andrew said i mean it's like you're a te- he's a teenager and he's got to make these decisions um and and the bravery that it takes to make that decision i mean i've myself just since we've started uh we did a workshop over the summer and since that workshop i've just taken it upon myself to just make stronger choices in my own life mm. just because you know i mean you know, the worst thing that could happen is, I mean, it's its not the way, it's not the worst. What I think is the worst is not the worst thing that could happen. So, um, and I've i have found myself making a lot more braver choices since, since we've begun this process. I want to thank my guests, actor Gerald Oliver and director Tamiko Robinson-Steele. Both are a part of the production Strong Inside by the Nashville Children's Theater. Thanks again to both of you for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Author Andrew Moranis will stick with us through the break. And when we come back, we'll learn about the life of Perry Wallace when we talk to someone who went to high school with him. And we'll explore why Vanderbilt decided to share his life story. As always, you can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. And before we go, it's Fall Fun Drive for WPLN. Now it's time for you to show your appreciation for This Is Nashville and everything else WPLN offers. And we thank you for your support. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. Ponder this situation for a moment. You're 18 years old, you've spent your entire education at a segregated school, and now you're in college. But while in college, you're the only non-white player on your school's basketball team and the entire conference. Everywhere you go, you're faced with hatred and racial epithets. But you won't let that stop you, and you never cower. A lot of pressure for a young person to deal with, but that's exactly what Perry Wallace did. He went on to become a lawyer working in the Department of Justice under the administrations of Presidents Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan, and he later became a law professor at American University. So what was Perry Wallace like? How was he able to remain strong inside? My next guest is someone who spent formative years with Perry Wallace. They were high school classmates. I'd like to welcome historian Linda Wynn to This Is Nashville. Linda, thanks for joining us today. Good to have you back. Thank you for having me. Really a pleasure. So how did you and Perry Wallace meet? Well, uh, we entered Pearl in 1963. He was... Uh, coming from Warden. I was coming from uh, Washington Junior High. And, you know, you took the two schools and the pupils sort of melded together. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember having classes with Perry, but, you know, when you go to lunch, uh, you know, you meet different people and you start talking. Um, He and Walter Murray were very good friends. Walter was a student at Washington and a classmate of mine at Washington. So it's just a matter of melding those two groups of students from Washington and Warden into one Pearl High class. Describe his demeanor and personality for us. What was he like? Perry was very quiet. Okay. He... You would see him walking in the halls and, you know, he would speak. He always had his books with him. You always knew that he was well prepared for whatever class he may have been entering. Uh, 
his his demeanor was was quiet, but it was yet welcoming. Mm. Uh, some people can be quiet, and you don't know whether to speak uh, or not. Yeah, um, they probably felt that way about me because I was kind of quiet myself. Uh, and I came from before I went into Washington. I came from a, a private school, St. Vincent, so. It, it was a little bit difficult for me to navigate uh, entering into such a large uh, school. But Perry and I, you know, would sort of talk in the lunchroom. Um, we didn't have classes together, but, you know, he played music. Um, and you just got, you know, you just got to know no Perry and all the other students mm-hmm. that you did not know. You know, he was a top student who was the valedictorian of Pearl's class of 1966, also an All-American basketball player, received scholarship programs from what I understand over 80 over colleges 80 and colleges. universities in the, across the country. Did you go to the games back then? Yes. <laughs> How good was he? You know, Perry was was very good, but I... I think that when you look at the team, mm-hmm. it was not just Perry Wallace, and and Perry sort of emphasized that it it was a team effort. Uh, the year that we won the TSSAA championship, uh, there is a photo of. I can't remember. It was Perry, Walter Fisher, and one other basketball player. Uh, that was trying to block uh, a ball from going in, and they literally bent the rim. It was three. It wow. was It was always a team effort, and that was something that was emphasized by Coach Ridley, uh, Melvin Black. Uh, the way they put that team together, it was not, you know, just one outstanding player. Now, I'm not saying that Perry was not an outstanding player, but I am saying it was always a team effort. It was quite the team. I mean, they went undefeated. They went undefeated. And they were the first African-American team to win the TSSAA's Boys State Basketball Tournament, the title. What did that mean on campus? I know what winning a state title means for your high school pro, for your high school. What did that mean to all of you? It meant quite a bit. Uh, we were aware, I think, uh, as a class, of what had been accomplished. Uh, you know, if you think about that class coming in in 1963, that's the year that you have the March on Washington. Mm-hmm. That is the year that President Kennedy is assassinated. Uh, that is the year that you have four little girls and two boys in Birmingham mm-hmm. that are killed. Uh, so, you know, you sort of process that. Um, at least I did, and I think many other students understood. Uh, if you took history from Minerva Hawkins, Uh, who was one of the teachers at at Pearl and happened to have been my uh, homeroom teacher, you understood the gravity of what was taking place in 1966. Uh, And I think you kind of have to go back to the class of 65 Mm 
uh, because they sort of set things in in, in motion. Okay. Uh, when you look at that basketball game between Father Ryan and Pearl, mm-hmm. uh, even though we did not win, uh, but. Uh, you got them the next year. Right? We got them the next year. We, <laughs> we got we got the whole we got the we, whole, we got the whole thing the next <laughs> the year. Next year. Uh, now my next guest is executive artistic director of the Nashville Children's Theater, who is producing the play. I'd like to welcome Ernie Nolan to the show. Ernie, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So, when you learned about the story of Perry Wallace, what made you think it would be perfect for this season of NCT Productions? Well, you know, so many people have talked about community and, and really that this was a story about community that excited me. But also Perry's story is the story of someone who got to make change doing something they loved. He got to be himself. While, while there were painful moments and challenges to that, he got to do what he loved. And that really, for me, was was an inspiring story to tell young audiences and really then inspired the theme of our season, which is courageously me, the characters of our season, um, all take courageous steps in being themselves. Mm. Now you're collaborating with Vanderbilt to put on the play and it's kind of plain to see why they would want to share this story. He's a accomplished alum after all, but what have they told you about why they want to be involved in the production? Well, I think this is such an amazing opportunity. So many times in a city, when you're an institution, you kind of are sort of inside, right? And you forget like, hey, there are these really great people down the street. And wait, we could make something really special with these people over here. And and I think what was what has been so successful about our, our partnership in telling Perry's story is the ability of of Again, that friendship and that connection across the city. It's also Vanderbilt sharing part of their history to young people who might not even know that they're in the city. Um, Again, I I had such great joy. Saturday, there were almost 200 Vanderbilt students at the show. And what I loved afterwards were all these people that kept on saying, like, wait, this is a children's theater? Mm. Wait, this is for kids? and so I loved the awareness on both our parts um, for us to collaborate on something that really is then going to have a life of its own after. Now, Andrew Marinus, author of the book Strong Inside, is still with us. Andrew, a lot of people focus on Wallace's playing career because he was just that good. He made the Southeastern All-Conference team his senior year, and he was even drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers. But, you know, it's kind of what he did after his playing days were over that really interests you. Talk to me about why his life after basketball is so important to talk about. And Perry was very proud of that. And I think if, you know, the theater could put on a two-hour play, (laughs) there was definitely another hour of material. Um, But, you know, after uh, Vanderbilt, he was drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers. He told me that his his uh, legs might last for five years, but his brain was going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And so um, rather than be sort of, uh, uh, you know, trying to make it in pro basketball, he goes to law school at Columbia University and earns an Ivy League law degree, um, becomes an attorney, as you mentioned, for the U.S. Department of Justice, becomes the first black tenured law professor at the University of Baltimore, and then a professor of law at American University for the last 20 plus years of his life. And he was extremely proud of that because there was um, no guarantee that any of that would happen. You know, the hate that was directed at him while he was pioneering at Vanderbilt was meant to destroy him, you know, but he didn't let that happen. And so 
He was extremely proud of that. He was so proud of his daughter, Gabby, uh, who his wife, Karen and Perry adopted. She has Asperger's. They were told she'll never uh, make it in school. She graduated from college, you know, and mm. Perry um, used his experience of defying expectations and defying the odds in, in raising Gabby along with Karen. And he was so proud of everything that came after basketball. When I went to his uh, wake at Karen's house after Perry passed away and neighbors were there and colleagues from American University and from Howard University where Karen teaches, they didn't even know he had played college basketball. Imagine mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, here we are celebrating this college basketball pioneer, but he uh, was not defined solely by his athleticism. He was so much more. Linda, briefly, how important is it to you that young people from Nashville learn about Perry Wallace? and his accomplishments during his lifetime, no matter the challenges he faced? Uh, I think it's extremely important, especially in this particular period that we're in, uh, when they are trying to negate, in my opinion, um, African-American history, uh, individuals who made contributions to that history. Uh, so it's important that not just because of you know him being the first uh, person in the SEC to desegregate the SEC. But I think Perry's story is a community story uh, because when he was uh, over at Vanderbilt and not feeling wanted or not feeling appreciated, he gravitated back to that space where he felt comfortable mm. and acceptable and did not have to be Perry Wallace at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, so I think that's very important. And it's important not to leave out the role that North Nashville played in Perry Wallace's life. Um, North Nashville catches a lot of flack, uh, but it is certainly uh, has been very good to, to many of us who lived in North Nashville. That is right. Now, Ernie, real quick, is there any chance of an extended run? Oh, right now I wish we could, but you know, the season takes off. So now next weekend, that's, that's the final chance for folks to be able to share this story. But I have no doubt that this piece will continue on through the canon of dramatic literature for young audiences. And it's no. exciting to know that Perry's story will have an effect here in Nashville and across the country. All right, y'all, you heard it from the man himself. I want to thank my guests, Ernie Nolan, Executive Artistic Director of Nashville Children's Theater, Linda Wynn, historian, and Andrew Marinus, author of the book Strong Inside. Thanks to you all again. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Latanya Turner, directed by Magnolia McKay. Laura Boach is our technical director. Live tweeting was handled by Elizabeth Burton. The guys behind our musical, Laranja and Amir Blade. Special thanks to Rachel Silverman, Silverman, James Rudolph II, and Will Hankey. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or better yet, download the podcast and listen to all of our past episodes. Don't forget to tweet us at this, this, this is Nashville. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and be good to each other. <laughs>